And now, a message from Pastor Josh Carmody. So we started a new series. We're starting a new series this February, which is today, February 2nd, uh, called Courageous. Everybody say Courageous. 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 And this is stories of four brave women. And so we're going to talk about four brave women uh, this month. And the four are Rahab, Ruth, Esther, and Mary. And so uh, today we're going to start with Rahab. And we want to talk about these women and talk about the awesome things that God used them for and how they are still impacting our lives uh, today. And so we're going we're gonna to talk about that. We're going to look at stories of four brave women and the impact that they have in our lives today. Would that be all right if we did that? All right. Um, so what I want to do is I want to read this morning out of Joshua chapter 2. Um, if you are in here and you have a Bible or you're watching online, uh, you can turn to Joshua chapter 2. It is uh, in the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. If you have a cell phone or a device and you want to pull it up, you can do that. Um, or you can look at it on the screens here as we begin to talk. And I hope that you have continued, because we talked about it a lot in January, and we're going to keep on talking about it. In fact, I'm going to read a whole scripture out of our Bibles today, or a whole chapter, excuse me, a whole scripture doesn't really make a lot of sense, but a whole chapter uh, out of our Bibles today. And I hope that you continue to engage with the Bible. I hope that you continue to engage with the Bible every day of your life because that will quickly become one of the most important parts of your day. Um, and so before I read uh, Joshua chapter 2, there's one more announcement that I forgot about. Uh, Mrs. Vinchattel right here, sitting over here in the front row, turned 94 years young yesterday. So congratulations, and uh, you look amazing. All right, here we go. Joshua chapter 2. Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent out from Acacia Grove two men as spies. Go look over the land and check out Jericho. They left and arrived at the house of a harlot named Rahab and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, We've just learned that men arrived tonight to spy out the land. They're from the people of Israel. The king of uh, Jericho sent word to Rahab, bring out the men who came to stay the night in your house. They're spies and they've come to spy out the whole country. The woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, yes, two men did come to me, but I didn't know where they'd come from. At dark, when the gate was about to be shut, the men left, but I have no idea where they went. Hurry up, chase them. You can still catch them. She had actually taken them up on the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flax that were spread out for her on the roof. So the men set set chase down the Jordan road toward the fords. As soon as they were gone, the gate was shut. Now before the spies were down for the night, the woman came up to them on the roof and said, I know that God has given you the land and we are all afraid. Everyone in the country feels hopeless. We heard how God dried up the waters of the Red Sea before you when you left Egypt and what you did, and what he did to the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom you put under a holy curse and destroyed. We heard it and our hearts sank. We all had the wind knocked out of us. And all because of you, you and God, your God, God of the heavens above and God of the earth below. Now promise me by God, I showed you mercy, now show my family mercy and give me some tangible proof, a guarantee of life for my father and mother, my brothers and sisters, everyone connected with my family, save our souls from death. 
Our lives for yours, said the men, but don't tell anyone our business. When God turns this land over to us, we'll do right by you in loyal mercy. She lowered them down out a window with a rope because her house was on the city wall to the outside. She told them, run for the hills so your pursuers won't find you. Hide out for three days and give your pursuers time to return and then get on your way. The men told her, in order to keep this oath that you made us swear, here is what you must do. Hang this red rope out the window through which you let us down and gather your entire family with you into your house. Father, mother, brothers, and sisters, anyone who goes out the doors of your house into the street and is killed, it is his own fault. We aren't responsible. But for everyone within the house, we take full responsibility. If anyone lays a hand on one of them, it's our fault. But if you tell anyone of our business here, the oath you made us swear is canceled. We're no longer responsible. She said, if that's what you say, then that's the way it is, and sent them off. They left, and she hung the red rope out the window. They headed for the hills and stayed there for three days until the pursuers had returned. The pursuers had looked high and low but found nothing. The men headed back. They came out of the hills, crossed the river, and returned to Joshua, son of Nun, and reported all their experiences. They told Joshua, yes, God has given the whole country to us. Everybody there is in a state of panic because of us. All right, so we read in Joshua chapter 2, God has promised Joshua the land. There's this promised land. Cross the Jordan and take this land that I have promised you. And so the first stop on their way to the promised land of receiving all that God has for them, the first stop is this city of Jericho. Everybody say Jericho. And so I just read you Joshua chapter 2. You know what happened. Joshua sent spies to Jericho, and they met this woman named Rahab. All right, here's what we know about Rahab. We don't know a lot about Rahab, but here's what we know for sure about Rahab. You ready for this? She was a prostitute, and she was a liar. All right? Um, now we're telling stories of four-brained women. I, I, I know this isn't off to the best start here, talking about a prostitute and how she's a liar, but don't worry. It gets better. All right? But we know that. That's what the Bible says. She was a harlot. She was a prostitute. She, more than likely, her home was more like an inn or a brothel. And so you would spend the night there, but you would also receive a little more than just spending the night there. She was a prostitute, right? And this was her livelihood. This was her life. This is what she did. And we also know that she was a liar. She said, no, those spies that were here, I mean, they showed up and everything, but they're gone. They're long gone. That was not the truth. She had hid them on the roof, right? And so we know that about Rahab. We know that about this woman, that, that, that she had some issues. Anybody in here have some issues? Anybody in here? not? So we can identify in one way or another, maybe not completely with Rahab, but we've all made mistakes. We've all chosen to live lives that are less than perfect, right? Because we are human. And so we identify with that, but that's what she was. But here's what I want to tell you about her. Despite those shortcomings, she had something going for her, and that is this. She feared and honored God. She feared and honored God. She really did by the words that she said. You don't believe me? Okay, here we go. She recognized God's greatness. She recognized God's greatness, that he is great, that he is mighty, that he is far above all other gods. She said this, she said, I know that God has given you the land. We are all afraid. She knew about the kings that the Israelites had overthrown. She knew about the fact that they had parted water and walked across on dry land. She feared God. She recognized his greatness. I mean, could you imagine that? Could you imagine, imagine living in those times where, you know, the Ark of the Covenant hit the water, 
when they were with Moses and the, and the waters parted? I mean, you think about a body of water and it just, it just parts, right? And then the nation, entire nation, millions of people walking across what used to be a seabed is now just dry land. You don't think that's miraculous. Okay, you've lived in Iowa. How many of you have ever seen rain, inches and inches of rain? Anybody ever inches and inches? Farmers, I got some farmers in here and they're like, can you just not right now? Okay, so inches and inches of rain. And you walk out into that field, you walk out onto what used to be dirt and what is it now? Mud and water and soupy and your feet. You know, if it's, they have like mud runs. Last year I did a mud run uh, with some friends. I totally forgot about people. I'm not kidding, we're losing shoes. It was hilarious. There was a guy in the middle of the creek, and I'm like, what is he doing? Because he's just like, you know, digging at the ground. I'm like, is he looking for a souvenir or something? Or what is this guy doing? And we're like, dude, what's up? He's like, I lost my shoe. And I'm like, <laughs> sorry, shouldn't laugh, but that's hilarious, right? I mean, because when you've got a creek, you've got a body of water underneath it, you got the silt, and you got the sand, and you got the dirt, and you got, and it's not dry, it's very wet, right? It's muddy. And so his shoe went all the way in. He pulled his foot out and the foot came right out of the shoe. I don't think he ever found that shoe. He was digging and he was not finding that shoe, right? Um, and so that's the kind of stuff, right? That if you just parted the seas, you would not expect them to be absolutely dry, but they were. I mean, that's a miracle. It defies what we know. How do you heap up water? There's water heaped up in this glass, but if I were to dump this out, not going to do it, what would happen? No more heaps. It would just, it just flow. Gravity, right? Takes over and just boom, down it goes. Did you imagine seeing water heaped up like this, like it was in a, a glass or a bowl or something, but it was just on both sides and dry land? I mean, that word gets around. You're like, huh, that's not normal. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I mean, we serve our gods, but that God seems a lot better than, than the gods we serve, right? I mean, that was Rahab's perspective, I mean, she was like, we've heard the stories about how great your God is, and we are all terrified, terrified of your God. Like, we know that he is great. And she said this, um, she also knew that he was the God of everything. He was the God of everything. She, she said this, she said, he is the God of the heavens above and the God of the earth below. He is the God of everything. So Rahab, even despite her shortcomings and the things in her life that were less than perfect, she honored and feared God. She knew that he was the God of everything. And nobody led her to church. Nobody told her about the faithfulness of God and how great he is. She just heard of those acts from other people. She knew these things that he was capable of. And she's like, you know what? I'm more afraid of that God than what anybody else can do to me. And so, yeah, these guys are going to show up and they ask her, hey, where are those spies? She's like, no, I'm going to hide those spies. I've heard of who this God is, and so I'm going to take action and I'm going to hide the spies, right? And so that's what she did. Despite all of her shortcomings, she recognized who God was. The men from Israel promised to save everyone who would be in her home with her when the destruction of Jericho would take place. They were shown mercy, and she would also be shown mercy. And so in order, you know, they talked about it. I read about it. You guys heard it. You remember it. She wasn't to tell anybody. She was supposed to go gather all of her family inside the home with her, hang the rope outside the window, and that would be the sign. It said, you do these things. You don't tell anybody. You don't leave. Whatever, then you will all be saved, right? Is that basically what they said? She said, hey, if that's what you want me to do, that's what I'm going to do. It. You're giving me a way out. I'm going to take it, right? How many of you ever thought that in life? God, you're giving me a way out. 
I'm going to take it, right? I mean, that's what she was saying. So look at Joshua chapter 6, 1 to 5. It says, Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. They had crossed over the Jordan. It was time to destroy Jericho. No one was allowed to go out or in, but the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king, and all of its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you're to march around the town seven times when the priest, with the priest blowing the horns. When you hear the priest give one long blast on the ram's horn, have all the people shout as loud as they can, and then the walls of the town will collapse, and the people can charge straight into the town. All right, now let's pretend for a minute we're an Israelite, and we've been called, we just crossed the Jordan, and we're going to take the promised land. We're going to take the land that God has given to us. And Joshua says, here's the battle plan. You ready? We're going to walk around a walled fortress one time, and then we're going to go back to our camp. And the next day, we're going to go to this walled fortress, and we're going to walk around it again quietly in silence. And then we're going to go home. And we're going to do it a third, fourth, fifth, and sixth time. Now, at this point, you're kind of like, why? (laughs) I mean, you're listening to Joshua, and you know that God said, hey, these things are going to happen. But in your mind, you're saying, this is like the weirdest military strategy ever. I mean, you guys have seen like those old like movies, like when there's castles and there's people coming and they've got their fiery arrows. They got, you guys seen those movies? Like that's what you expect. It's like, all right, walls of Jericho, like arrows, right? Walk around it. Six times, one time, like six days, one time each day. That's what I meant to say. On the seventh day, on the seventh day, I want you to walk around it seven times. Okay, we're getting somewhere. That's a lot more than the other times. And then the, the, the priests are going to blow on the ram's horns, right? And make this noise. When you hear that noise, when you hear, that was pretty good, right? I mean, that just came out. I don't know where that came from. So when you hear that noise, <laughs> I want you to yell and shout and scream and watch the walls come down. And they said, all right, we're going to do it. We have faith to believe it. If God said that this land is ours and this is how he wants us to do it, God is faithful. We know his promises are true. This is how it's going to happen, right? So they march, they march, they march, they march. They blow the trumpets. The walls fall down. How awesome is that? So Joshua 6, 17, let's pick it up here in this uh, chapter and verse. It says, Jericho and everything in it, this is Joshua talking. He said, Jericho and everything in it must be completely destroyed as an offering to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and the others in her house will be spared, for she protected our spies. Meanwhile, Joshua said to the two spies, Keep your promise. Go to the prostitute's house and bring her out along with all of her family. The the men who had had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, mother, brothers, and all the other relatives who were with her. They moved her whole family to a safe place near the camp of Israel. Then the Israelites burned the town and everything in it. Only the things made from silver, gold, bronze, or iron were kept for the treasury of the Lord's house. So Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute and her relatives who were with her in the house because she had hidden the spies Joshua sent to Jericho. And she lives among the Israelites to this day. Now, How cool is that story? And here's the cool thing about Rahab. Around her was destruction and fire and total mayhem, and God saved her. God pulled her out of that place of destruction and brought him into the family of Israelites. 
It said in there, it says, and he, she lives among the Israelites to this day. Now, obviously, she's long gone, but when this was written, she was accepted into the family of God. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool how he takes a stranger, non-Israelite, a prostitute, a liar, someone with less than reputable, uh, you know, character, and says, you know what, I'm going to pull you out of that, and I'm going to bring you into the family of God instead. And that's what he does for us today. He says, hey, you person of character, possibly disreputable character, we've all made sins, we've all made bad choices, we've all made wrong (laughs) decisions. Some of us more than others. And God pulls us. The wages of sin is what? Death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. We've been pulled out of destruction. And we've been given a new family. We are part of the family of God where we're all brothers and sisters together. And so it doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. Not only do we love and accept you for who you are, but God loves you and accepts you for who you are. He loved the prostitute, the liar. He saved her and pulled her out of destruction. And not only that, not only was she a hero in that story, not only was she an unlikely hero, but what she did gives us an example to follow today. She not only made a difference on that day that Jericho fell, but she also made a difference for years to come. So I want to tell you a few times that Rahab comes up in the Bible. Would that be all right this morning? Check this out. Matthew 1, 5 says this, Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab. Do we know who Rahab is? We just talked about her. Boaz begot uh, Obed by Ruth, and Obed begot Jesse. Now you're reading that, and you're like, okay, cool, that's a random verse. So what this is, in Matthew chapter 1, this is actually the genealogy, the ancestry of Jesus. So when you're reading in the New Testament, you read this person had this person, and this person had this person. Normally, this was the man and their firstborn. And then that man and their firstborn. And then that man and their firstborn. Because the other borns didn't really matter. The men, the women, the women, the children, they really didn't matter. It was all about the men and it was all about the firstborns. If you read through the Old Testament, nothing else really mattered. Even in the New Testament, when Jesus feeds the 5,000, it says right in there that Jesus, there was like 5,000 men. Now you figure, you look around, you see the men, but there's women in here, there's children in the other room, the children's in the other, children's, the children in the other room are half again is what we are, right? So, I mean, if you figure 5,000 men, it might have been 20,000 people. And Jesus feeds all of them with those fish and those bread, right? And so women didn't really count. And I'm sorry to say that, ladies, but I want you to know that you count today, all right? Um, But this right here, so what this is, is this is like an ancestry, a family tree, All right, and catch this. Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab. Boaz begot Obed by Ruth, and Obed begot Jesse. Jesse had David. You follow it down some more generations, and eventually you get to Jesus. So here's what I'm telling you. Telling you that Rahab, the liar who prostituted herself for money or whatever, is a great, 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 grandmother of Jesus. Of Jesus, our Savior, the one who knew no sin. That's how grafted she was. That's how much she was brought into the family of God. That she is one of four women mentioned in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And normally you did not mention women in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. 
And we're talking about two of three of them that are in this genealogy, in this series. Why? Because they are brave women who did amazing things. Look at this. Rahab is listed. I want to say something else before I move on. Jesus takes all of us sinners, anybody who's ever made a mistake, gives us a fresh start, a new heart, and he brings us into the family of God. Amen? That's what Jesus does for us. Just like he brought Rahab into the family, he gives us a fresh start, a new heart, and he brings us into the family of God. When we put our faith, when we put our trust in Jesus Christ, he brings us into his family. Check this out. Rahab is listed along with a guy named Gideon, who him and 300 soldiers destroyed thousands of people. They were able to have a huge victory. David, like you hear the guy that wrote most all of Psalms and did all this conquering and conquest. Samson, very, very strong dude. Killed a lion, ripped his mouth open with his bare hands. A lion? That's a bad dude, right? Samson and Samuel as an example of faith. So she is listed as an example of faith. Look at this in Hebrews 11. It was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days and the walls came crashing down. Why was it faith? Because it wasn't good military strategy, but it was good faith, right? They walked around by faith knowing that God would do what he said he would do. 31, it was by faith that Rahab, the prostitute, was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God, for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength, they became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Rahab was listed with all of them. That's the kind of faith that she had. She had a faith in a God that she didn't really even know. She had just heard stories about. And she put so much faith and so much trust that she acted bravely and she saved those spies and she sent them another way. And God used her in a mighty way. And in Hebrews, it says that she is an example of faith. That she is an example for you and me of faith. What a woman. She feared God. She had faith in him. You and I, we should have faith in a mighty God. Amen? Amen. I like this. Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God. There might be people in your life, there might be people in your city who refuse to obey God, but that doesn't mean that you should. That doesn't mean to say, well, everybody else is refusing to obey God. I'm on my own here. It's too much work. No, listen, Rahab did it and so can you. Not only that, she was able to save her family in the process. She was able to save others because she refused to give up on God. She had faith and belief in him, and it changed her family tree. In fact, it got her put in the genealogy of Jesus Christ himself. Man, that is amazing. That is amazing. And finally, her deed, her act, is an example of good works and faith working together. In James chapter 2, you can read it when you go home. I don't have time to go through it all today. But his main premise is faith without works is dead. That we can have faith in Jesus Christ, but if we don't ever act on that faith, it's a dead faith. Because our faith should lead us to action, right? And so she is an example of good works and faith working together. Check this out. She's mentioned again in James 2.25 while he's talking about all these things. He said, Rahab the prostitute is another example. 
She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. This scripture is actually saying that Rahab, the harlot, the prostitute, the liar, all the things that she had going on that were wrong, that she was actually righteous. That that decision that she made put her in right standing with God. I don't know why you're not happy about that. Let me explain that to you. That means that no matter the things that we do that are wrong and the fact that we have a past and the fact that this is who I was, she was a prostitute, but God brought her out of that life, out of that destruction, out of that mess because he called her righteous. You and I, you and I, have been saved and pulled out of something, not because we are good, but because we serve a good God. It's because we serve a good God. And she didn't have a great faith. She just had faith in a great God. She knew who he was and she acted on it. And he counted it to her as righteousness. And so you say, how do I live a righteous life? What does God want from me? He wants us to have faith and trust in him and act on that faith. Act on that faith, amen? Amen. She could have turned those spies in and done everything to stop the invasion. Her fear could have been so big. She could have been so afraid. But instead of acting in fear, she acted in faith. Instead of acting in fear, instead of giving up those spies, instead of being afraid for her life, she acted in faith and said, I've heard about this God and I know his greatness and I know he's God of everything. And so I'm going to act accordingly. She was shown to be right with God. Her actions were righteous. Her faith without works is dead. Our faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. And too many times, I think we act out of fear instead of acting out of faith. I think way too many times we act out of fear instead of acting out of faith. Fear is false evidence appearing real. I want you to know that Jesus Christ is real and we can have faith in him. That fear, it's not real. Faith in Jesus Christ is, amen? Amen. We can act on faith. Our faith without good works is dead. Rahab she shows us that no heart is gone too far. That there is nobody that cannot be saved. That none of us have done, we're saying, oh no, you don't know the things I've done, Josh. Like you think Rahab is bad, dude, you should see my rap sheet. Like it's even worse. I got news for you. God still loves you. He still cares about you. And he wants to pull you out of that life of destruction. Put your feet on a rock and say, I've got a new destiny for your life. I got a new family for you. I got a new heart. Look around. This is your family. He's got a new family for you. He loves you. He cares about you. No matter who you are or what you've done, you're loved and accepted just as you are. And he loves us so much, he doesn't want to leave us this way. You think Rahab continued to be a prostitute after that? Doesn't say, but I sure hope not. Says she got married to Salmon. She got married. She didn't play the harlot anymore. That's cool. God changed her life. God will do the exact same thing for you and for me. When we say, God, this is who I am. You know who I am, but I know who you are. And so I put my faith in you. 
I put my trust in you, and I refuse to act based on fear. Instead, I want to act on the faith that I have in you. Amen? For more information on New Covenant, contact us at 3318 Fifth Avenue South, Fort Dodge, Iowa, 50501. Or you can call us at 515-955-6222.